Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Valley Collision Studio and the Bill Riley Show on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Pouring down rain here in downtown Salt Lake City. Good to be with you today on a Reaction Over Reaction Monday here on the Bill Riley Show. Uh, Bartle will join us in a bit. Sly will join us in a bit. He was up uh, up at uh, Corvallis on the broadcast on the sideline with me. Uh, my friend Dale Murphy to talk some baseball in a little while, too, with the playoffs beginning, wildcard playoff action beginning. We'll have a bunch of that for you all week long and in the evenings here on ESPN 700. But right now, another good friend and uh guy that covers the University of Utah on a regular basis. Good to have him in on a reaction over reaction Monday. Our friend Eric Walden from the Salt Lake Tribune comes by to say hi. Eric, let's go with your reaction and overreaction to where Utah is right now. Not so much to the game Friday night, but where they sit right now at 4-1. and one. Quick reaction and then an overreaction, good or bad. Nobody's possibly overreacting to this game, are they, Bill? Not at all. Right? Not sure, at all. I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure everyone's completely level-headed and, um, you know, keeping things even-keeled and whatnot. Uh, okay, reaction and overreaction, let's see. Uh, my reaction would be that was a pretty appalling performance. Um, not necessarily unexpectedly so, right? Like, it, it was funny. I flew into Eugene and uh getting a rental car and then driving the rest of the way to Corvallis and just chatting with the, uh, the rental car agent about the game. And he's like, I don't know about this game, man. Utah's got a great defense. Utah's got a great defense. And, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, uh, their offense needs to score more than seven points a game. Right. <laughs> and will they be able to do that? And uh, they weren't, you know, the, the, the injury bug has hit them hard. The quarterback situation has hit them hard. Uh, you know, they, they underperformed in a lot of areas Friday. So that's the reaction. Uh, in terms of the overreaction, how do you overreact to that? Um, you know, if I, if I was going to overreact, I would say, well, hey, this this team is just absolutely done. Their season is over. Uh, once again, the offense is not nearly where it needs to be, and they may as well just forget about uh, achieving anything of consequence because, you know, we're we're X number of years into Power Five conference football, and uh, the fact that you know you're you're back at this level of, of scoring the ball, you're back at this level of uh, you know anemic offense, just 
proves that uh, you know things are horrible for this for this program, and and they're never going to achieve anything great. That would be a hell of an overreaction. I've gotten a few of those today, but that yeah. is indeed an overreaction because. As I said, this team has pretty much dealt with some sort of on- or off-field adversity for the last two or three seasons, generally early in the season. They found a way to rally around from that. I think there's a pretty easy fix. Now, I don't know that it fixes everything, Eric, but number seven fixes a lot on this team. Your starting quarterback, it's very apparent there is a huge dip from the starter to the backups with Utah, but I don't know that that's much different than anybody else in the country. There aren't many teams that are going to win win consistently with their backup quarterback, especially in a league like the Pac-12. How much, let's say October 14th, 12 days from today at 1 o'clock against the Cal Bears, number seven runs out of the, he's, he's taking first team reps for the next two weeks. He runs out of the tunnel. He's got his knee brace on. He's got his helmet on, and he's starting the game. How much does that fix what ails Utah right now? I think that's huge. You know, I, I, I'm with you. Like, obviously, that's been their their number one issue, and not their only issue. You know, there are other things that have gone wrong. Um, you know, they've got a ton of injuries which aren't helping. They've had a, a little bit of underperformance at various other positions. But I mean, yeah, there, there's no getting around the fact that uh, you know Bryson Barnes was struggling at Baylor, and then they went to Nate Johnson, and he's kind of struggled considerably since then. You know, he's had some nice moments. He's had some some really good moments throwing the ball here and there. Uh, you know, when he gets a chance to run, he looks great. But, you know, there's no getting around the fact that he just isn't super quick at making his reads yet. He's not super confident or decisive in terms of, you know, when to try to extend a play versus when to just tuck it and run. Um, and, and you can see that the hesitation is costing them a bit, right? Like he, he's just simply not to a place yet where he's naturally reacting to what the defense is doing. And that is, uh, that, that's a gigantic, you know, thing to be, to, to try to overcome as a college football team. Cam, you know, he, he erases that right off the bat you know obviously we'll need to see what he looks like physically and and we still don't know if he'll be cleared for the cal game um i do think you're right in that this wound up being very fortuitously timed uh by a week uh, just <laughs> given everything they've got going on um and and i think if he's anywhere close this could be the bump that uh that he needs to finally you know get that thumbs up to get that green light that that has been talking about um, I just think that like his insertion into the lineup is everyone else around him, you know, so much more confidence in what they're doing just because he's been there. He's done that. He's a veteran of the program. He knows what's going on. He knows all the reads. He's got all the playbook at his disposal. Um, there's, there's just no getting around that experience that he has. There's no getting around uh, the physical capabilities that he has in, in terms of, you know, bringing the, the pocket presence and, you know, the ability to extend plays. He, he's got a little bit of everything. And, um, yeah, the youth are just sorely lacking that right now. No, I, I agree. And, and I think the part that gets overlooked so often is, you know, 30 games experience plus as a starter for Cam Rising. When he breaks the huddle and gets to the line, he reads the defense immediately. But maybe even more importantly, after the ball is snapped, then he gets that second read and the only way you get to that is experience and having gone through it and done it. 
And the fact of the matter is, Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes just don't have that same level of experience that Cam Rising does. As much as we could talk about arm strength and running around, so much of that position, whether it's in college or pro, is is mental. It's between the ears. It's seeing it. And I just think that both Johnson and Barnes are just inexperienced and just won't see it quite as and, – and then it's it's not just the seeing it, it's the seeing it quickly. And that one half second or that second of processing it just a, a tad quicker can be the difference between a receiver or a back being open or not open. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that that's, has stuck out to me in my years of covering the Jazz, Quinn Snyder always used to talk about 0.5 decisions. And by that he meant can you make a decision on what you need to do within half a second of getting the ball? You know, do you need to put on the floor and drive? Do you need to pass it to the corner? Do you need to shoot it right then? You know, like, can you recognize what is going on around you and be able to make that near instantaneous decision? And that's what the youth are lacking right now. That's what Cam has that that Nate doesn't and that Bryson doesn't. Uh, He's been there. He's done that. He has that level of experience. He's seen it all. You know, I, I, I keep seeing all these youth fans who are frustrated with Nate Johnson say, hey, you know, why don't we just end the quarterback experiment like, and, 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 and put him at a position where he'd be more useful, like safety, where his athleticism will shine through. I, mean, so I think you're doing a huge disservice to, like, bail on him at that position that early. Like, you know, is he making predetermined reads all the time right now? Yeah. You know, is he, like throwing into, you know, is he snapping the ball and going instantly to, you know, his his first option? Yeah, he is sometimes. And the thing is, he'll get better at that, right? He'll study more film. He'll, uh, you know, he'll see more things unfold on the field. Um, you know, he'll see more things unfold in the film room, and he'll adapt to that. He'll get better at that. Or, you know, being a downer, maybe he won't, <laughs> right. but at least we'll know that down the road, right? Like we're, we're talking about a redshirt freshman who's made what, like three starts now, and and people are ready to pull the plug on that. It's like no, like there, there's something that comes from being a guy with 30 plus starts, like Cam Rising is, and you put it so well, you know, it just in that those those you are able to recognize more, and you're able to recognize it a lot faster the processing speed is there with cam and it just isn't there yet with nate and and that's been like one of the huge issues you know we can talk about the receiver separation we can talk about the offensive lines physicality all of these things are issues but the biggest issue is that uh you know opposing defenses just don't believe that the youth are any threat to throw the ball right now because there isn't any consistency there in terms of being able to read a defense and and consistently move the ball down the field. Eric Walden's our guest. He covers the Utes for the Salt Lake Tribune, dabbles in the jazz too. We'll get into that down the line. Um, I I think what what has become very apparent to me, and it really kind of re-highlighted itself this weekend, is, um, you know, the league is really, really good. And nobody's going to go undefeated in this league, Eric. And I, I, I even said this to the fellows, Scott and Sly, when we were driving back to Portland on, on late Friday night. I don't know if it will happen, but I could foresee a scenario where the Pac-12 has two two-loss teams playing for the championship. I think the league is this good. I mean, we see Washington, who looked like a juggernaut, get pushed by an Arizona team that's still on the rise, still kind of rebuilding a little bit Saturday night. 
We saw USC basically tell us again they are a magnificent offensive football team, but they can't stop anybody. So I, there's going to be upsets, and the gauntlet really hasn't begun yet. The gauntlet begins in mid-October to mid-November. So, you know, what Utah has in front of it, it's become a little bit more difficult because you've already got a loss in your back pocket. But everybody's going to lose at least one, if not two, games this year in this league. Yeah, no, I thought that was a really uh, key point that Whip made post-game, you know, in Corvallis. There's so much season yet to be played and you know this this kind of fork in the road moment. You can you can kind of complain about how things are. You can complain about the injuries. You can take you know the the Debbie Downer approach to things and be like, well, hey, you know we've already got so many guys out, already lost the game. What's the point? Um, or or you can say, hey, you know what can we do about it? What are the fixes we can make? How can we improve? What can we do better going forward to put ourselves in a good position? You know who might be coming back that can that can give us a needed boost. Um, you know, and you just don't know how it's going to go. So you know, it, I I know it's cliche, but it makes so much sense to listen to the people who say, you know, control what you can control, right? Like the injuries are out of your control until guys get back. Um, you know, so what can you do? offensive line why are you not being physical enough you know what adjustments can you make there in terms of protection schemes in terms of opening up the run game receivers what can you do to generate a little more open space for throwing lanes um you know what can what can nate do in the interim to kind of uh ratchet up his ability to better read a defense you know does that entail a little more film study does that entail you know, uh, uh, getting in a few more reps in, in terms of this scheme or this scenario. Um, you know, I, I, I just thought Whit phrased it really well in saying, like, we're at a point where, um, you know, things can go incredibly wrong if we decide to focus on that, if we decide to start playing the blame game, if, if, if the defense starts saying, hey, offense, you know, you're not uh, carrying <laughs> your, you know, you're not living up to your responsibilities with this why are we having to do all the heavy lifting or you know everyone can kind of say what do i need to do better to help move this thing along and so um yeah you know the league's got a ton of talent it's got a ton of parity this year and yeah if, if anyone makes it through unscathed i'm with you i'd be shocked by that just because there is so much depth to the league this year so yeah, does it put them in a, in a little bit of a hole having a loss early? Yeah, it does. But at the same time, we knew Oregon State was going to be good, right? Like, just because they lost that game to Washington State didn't all of a sudden mean that, that OSU was overrated or, or, you know, not legit or whatever. They're a good team. They showed they were a good team. They took advantage of a, of a youth team that was reeling a little bit, uh, just given their injury situation. Now we need to see, you know, who can the youth get back and how can they bounce back? I agree. Um, and, and here's the other thing, too. If this team and this staff didn't have a track record of dealing with adversity and, you know, kind of turning proverbial negatives into positives, I might be a little concerned. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's no guarantee that happens again. There's no guarantees in life or in sport. But this staff has a track record. The last two years they've won championships you know, and have had a game like this or have had to deal with some on-field or off-field adversity. So it's not the first rodeo for these guys having to deal with this. And if, if Cam Rising were out for the year 
or he just hurt himself last week, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But we're now getting to that. We're now at the nine-month mark, Eric. I mean, this is the ACL injuries are generally, they say six to nine months, but the six and seven monthers are 10, 15% of the people. Most people come back in eight to nine months. Well, the 14th comes up on, on almost nine months. So we're probably now in that sweet spot. Yeah, for sure. And and you're absolutely right, right? Like, this is this is a program that has found itself in this position before. And, you know, the point you made in the lead-up to this was a good one, right? Like, this is a team that has had a disappointing loss each of the last two seasons in the, in the conference play and yet has wound up, um, you know, making it all the way to the Rose Bowl two years in a row. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily translates into them doing the same this year. Correct. But I'm saying there is a little bit of a track record that shows that, you know, they're able to overcome those bumps in the road that this isn't this doesn't have to be you know the um the door slamming shut on on whatever they wanted to accomplish this year so they do need to get a lot of guys back healthy they do need to improve in some areas um you know there's no getting around that we can't blame it all on injuries there's definitely some underperformance at osu and and they would say so you know uh as good as the defense has been uh the fact that like they didn't play at the same elite level that they had in the weeks before it, it showed, right? Like they missed, they missed more tackles against the Beavers. Uh, you know, there were some, there were a couple of really bad defensive reads that led pretty directly to two of those OSU touchdowns. And, you know, Cole Bishop said as much. And, um, you know, Jonah Ellis said as much, you know, he said, Hey, I, I, I wish I had this playback. I wish we had that playback. Um, they'll learn from that. They'll come back. They've got a lot of talent on this team, and if they can get a little bit more help and if they can get their quarterback, uh, you know, their starting quarterback back in the lineup, uh, I still think they've got a really good shot to accomplish some good things this year. Uh, what you writing on this week? So uh, this week I am kind of focusing on the quarterback situation, just taking a look a, a little bit at what you talked about. Um, what are we looking at in terms of Cam's return? And, and if he's not back, what is the situation? I think that's an interesting one just because we don't know uh, what we're looking at in terms of, of Brandon Rose's availability. Right. And so that's an intriguing situation to me. Um, I'm focusing a little bit on, on something that I brought up to you in terms of with, talking about keeping the locker room together because I do think it's kind of an interesting dynamic you know just with the defense having so outperformed the offense at this point how do you keep the locker room from being from being split uh what kind of talked extensively about that in the locker room post game friday night and uh beyond that i'm working on a few jazz things i was able to make it over to their media day session at zbbc today and all a few things coming out from that excellent read that stuff in the pages of the salt lake tribune at sltrib.com that's our friend and good buddy, Eric Walden, whose Philadelphia Eagles remain perfect on the season. Played some tighter games than expected, but there's no style points. You just win and move on, right? And uh, taunt Tony Jones along the way, absolutely. That's, of course, I mean, that's just bonus to all of it is being able to taunt. And I'll get to taunt Tony on two, on Wednesday when he joins us here about yeah. the Sam Howell era in Washington. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll still be crying about the Terry McLaurin being inbound versus out-of-bounds things by then. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you just ask him 
to show you that definitive angle that he was absolutely definitely in bounds and and listen to the uh the backtracking from there he should be more he should be more upset that riverboat ron didn't go for two in the win when he had a chance right this is what i was telling him today and he he had no comeback like right you're you're riverboat ron and he went conservative in the biggest moment of the game it's like because the offense was gassed the defense was gassed you just took them 65 yards in less than two minutes like that's your moment that's your that's your time to you know, grab it by the throat and go for it. And instead you're going to be like, eh, let's, let's see how the coin flip for overtime works out, and we'll take it from there. Nickname, um, nickname they gets their, removed. They had their chances, and, the, and they didn't pull it off. Exactly. No longer Riverboat Ron. He, he loses that nickname by that decision. Eric, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Bill. Thank you, Eric. Eric Walden with us here on the Bill Riley Show today. Before we get a break. Let's go check in in Vernon, Utah. I don't know if it's raining down in Vernon today, but I do know that the best beef in the state of Utah can be found at Bank.